and welcome to another episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and today I'll be talking to Marissa Dargahi. Marissa is an accomplished voice actor who found success early in her career in commercials. Since then, she's also worked behind the table in casting for voiceovers and is now a voiceover coach as well. I actually had a session with her recently, and it was incredibly helpful. Marissa's had, as she puts it, a non-linear path in this business, and I can't wait for you to hear all about her journey. So let's get started. Here's my conversation with Marissa Dargahi. Hi, Marissa. How are you today? Hi, Stephanie. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I always start with asking everyone kind of the same question, which is, tell us about your journey. How did you make it to the mic and what did you do before you started voiceover? Um, so I, um, I started out in theater. Um, so before I moved back, I'm, I'm from New York City originally, but before I moved back to the city um, to pursue acting, I was training. I was. Uh, I went to LaGuardia High School of Performing Arts in New York City for drama, and uh, went to Ithaca College, like you, <laughs> um, for acting. And um, my dream was to be on Broadway. My dream was to be a big Broadway star. And I got to the city and was doing all of the EPAs, ECCs, um, all of the auditions and hustling. Um, and I think my first year, it was about 2008, so I was like a year out of college, year out of Ithaca, and one of my best friends was taking a commercial voiceover class with two casting directors, two voiceover casting directors in the city, and she asked me if I was interested in doing it with her, and I had always been interested in voiceover. Like, it was, it was this weird feeling inside where I knew I was going to do it one day, but I didn't know how or when. So mm. when she asked me to take that class, I was just like, yeah, okay, this is the moment. This is the moment it's all going to start. <laughs> so it was just this weird gut feeling. So I said yes to doing the class with her. I mean, that really started all of it for me. Um, so I took this class. It was like a six-week course. And at the end of it, um, there was an agent that came in um, and we all had to audition for him. And he ended up being my agent for over a decade. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't sign with him right away, though. That was that was just the beginning of the journey. So I, I just met him there. And um, I ended up staying in touch with him. Uh, I ended up making a demo pretty soon after doing this class, which I don't know, I probably wasn't completely ready, but I was just like, I want to do this. <laughs> so so I did it. You know, I'd, I'd made the demo and I uh, sent it to him. And he said, uh, well, yeah, we like your voice, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of clients like you, but keep in touch. So I did. I kept in touch. I didn't bother him. You know, I, I wasn't constantly emailing him, you know, every week, but every few months I would just check in and say hi. And I uh, Luckily, from taking this class, these casting directors were calling me in directly to to go in an audition. And so I was really clueless. I had no idea what the voiceover business entailed. I would just get these auditions sometimes, like in the midst of, you know, going to ECCs and EPAs and the musical theater auditions. And, you know, sometimes a voiceover audition would come up and I was like, okay, cool, showing up to the studio. And I think after about maybe eight months into going on these auditions occasionally, and it was always with the same casting office because I didn't know any of the other casting directors, um, I ended up booking a national commercial. 
I didn't know that it was a national commercial when I booked it. Like, I just, I just got this booking and I went into the studio to record. And after uh, recording it, I remember they gave me paperwork that said, that said SAG-AFTRA on it. And I had heard of SAG-AFTRA, like I knew it was a union, but I was just like, what is this? I, I, was, I just said to them, I was like, um, I'm not SAG-AFTRA, just so you know. And they, they, they were just like, oh, you're not? Um, okay, so we're going to have to like Taft-Hartley you into the union. And I had no idea. I was like, who's Taft-Hartley? What, what does that mean? I was just clueless. And I really had no idea. I knew that this was going to be a TV commercial, but I had no idea like how much money you make doing voiceovers. Like I was just, I had no idea. So, um, so yeah, I got this booking and then from getting that booking, I figured, you know what? I should email this agent who I met and say, Hey, by the way, like I, I got this, I booked this commercial and that's what, uh, basically got him to sign me. Um, so that's that's how I ended up signing with him. But, you know, it took a good year to actually sign with an agent. It was funny because when that commercial started airing, you know, the money started coming in and I was like, okay, well, this is great. Like vo- voiceover. All right. I, you know, a year of doing this and I'm getting a national commercial. This isn't so bad. And then the reality of it was like, I didn't book another national for like a few years. You know, it was like, oh, actually, this is... <laughs> This is a lot harder. So I got lucky. I did. I got I got really lucky mm. in the beginning. Um, so anyway, that's kind of that was the beginning of my voiceover journey. Um, so so I, I was going on all these auditions. Um, the business was very different back then. Like I was, you know, hopping around, going into all of the recording studios, um, auditioning for the casting directors. And, um, and I really loved it. Like I loved just, you know, getting the opportunity to audition, uh, cause I, because I had always heard that, you know, the voiceover community was a very small community, but I was really learning as I went. I mean, there, you know, these voiceover Facebook groups did not exist. So I couldn't like ask people questions. I was just like, you know, and I, I was very intimidated going to these auditions, like all these voiceover actors who had obviously been doing this for years. And, right. you know, I was just intimidated to ask them questions. So it was just kind of learning as I went and making the mistakes and and learning from those and <laughs> trying to correct them later on. Yeah, so I was I was still pursuing theater and, and musical theater while I was doing voiceovers. And then it wasn't until... Uh, about 2011, I came back from a contract and I was just like, I'm just like falling out of love with the process of musical theater. Like I just was kind of sick of going to the the auditions and not getting the auditions that I really wanted to get. I just, I didn't feel like it was, things were flowing in the way that I wanted them to flow. And with voiceover, things just always seemed to be flowing. So I kind of took that as a sign. And when I got back from that contract, I decided I was going to focus 100% on voiceover. And that's when things really started to happen. Um, And that's when I invested in a home studio. You know, up until that point, I I didn't really need a home studio. It was also a very different time. You know, I, I didn't really need one because my agent had a booth. So anytime there was an audition, I'd either go to the office and record there, or I'd go to the casting office or recording studio that they would send me to. Um, so it was just a different time. So I invested in the home studio. Um, I started to dabble in the pay-to-plays that I was hearing about. Um, I started to dabble in, uh, you know, getting my own clients. Like, what's that all about? (laughs) Um, And was kind of realizing that 
oh, maybe I I can't just rely on my agent for voiceover work if this is something that I want to do full time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's kind of how I started doing it full time. And then it's interesting. I feel like my voiceover career has has never been linear. Like it's always been this big zigzag and just a roller coaster because I've always had to adapt to what's happening either in the industry or like something like a decision in my life that I've made. So I feel like I've constantly been adapting. So so yeah, I went full time. Things were going really well. I was booking a lot of national campaigns. And then I started to notice uh, a lot of work was going non-union, and I was a union actor. So um, that changed things. I started to notice, oh, I'm not, I'm not booking as much work as, as I want to, and uh, what's going on here? Like, is it me? Is it, you know? And so I ended up taking a, a voiceover class because I was just like, you know what? Maybe I just need to brush up my skills. Maybe it's been a while. I took a commercial class with um, Roger Becker, who's the best. And, uh, yeah, and um, I met a, a now friend of mine in the class, and, you know, I, w- I was just going through this time where I was, I was like, I don't know if I can be a full-time voiceover actor right now. Like, things are just changing. Money has changed. I feel like I need something else to support me. And uh, she was, she just said, well, I'm actually working in this casting office part-time. Um, and they they do like commercials and voiceovers. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. Because like, I could also learn about that side of the business while I also do voiceovers. So she got me this assistant position working for them. And it was uh, Grandy Morse casting uh, in New York. And um, I ended up well, after after being there for a bit, I ended up like being one of the casting associates there and running all of the on-camera commercial and voiceover sessions for them. And I loved it. Like I loved working on that side of the table. Um, and then while I was doing that, they were just really supportive of my voiceover career as well. It was a very lucky situation. Like they would let me go to voiceover auditions and voiceover jobs um, that came up. But I would say that it was hard to do voiceover full time while I was st- while I was casting, so it was kind of this period in my career where I wasn't full time. It was weird; like I was going from full time to part time, but I was also really loving the casting part of it and learning so much, and getting to work with actors every day and getting to direct commercial commercial auditions and voiceover auditions. And yeah, I just I loved doing it. So that's the New York part of it. So we'll pause there. And actually, I think I think we should backtrack a little bit. So can you tell us about your first home studio? So I so like I said, I didn't really um, I didn't use a home studio for probably the first like five years of my voiceover career. And then it was when I really started getting serious that I was going to do this full time. Um, I invested in a really good microphone. So it's it's actually the microphone I still use today. What is it? It is. It's um, the Audio-Technica 4040 mic. Um, and honestly, the reason why I've been using it since then, and, and actually, I actually need to invest in a new one, but I'll get to that. For many years, like being in New York, I was I was kind of a nomad. I was hopping around from like so many different apartments and I always had to kind of work with the space I was in. And this was a great mic like to be in different uh, environments and just like make it work because I really felt like and, and I'm sure you'll hear this a lot in, in the industry, uh, like the most important thing is the space that you're recording in. 
so I just felt like this microphone, it just, it just worked in these different spaces. Like I would find a little corner for it. I'd find a little closet for it. I, I really made sure that the room was, you know, soundproofed enough where there wasn't an echo or it didn't sound like I was underwater. But it was just, it's, it's just been a microphone that's worked in all of these different spaces. But now, uh, now I'm in London. We just bought a house. So like, I know I'm going to be here for a long time. So I'm finally in a place where I'm like, actually, I really want to make a, a, a real booth for myself. I might invest in a new microphone because I feel like it's, it's probably about time to do it. But that microphone has served you well. That's been, that's been with you for so long. It has. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is I do feel like, again, the industry has changed. I, there were times when I booked national commercials off of an audition on my phone. Okay. But that being said, I do not think that happens anymore because I think it's just too competitive. I think you need really good sound quality. I mean, I think the most important thing is the delivery. Okay. But, but also, you know, you have to be able to hear that delivery. Well, like if it's under, if it sounds like it's underwater or it's echoey, then there's no point. Right. So, so anyway, I think, I think it is very different now. And I think you do have to invest in a, in a good home studio. I think that's so true. I think the I think the pandemic really solidified that need as well, obviously, because we can't go anywhere. And I think the number of auditions that used to come in with no reference to home studios at all versus now the number of auditions that come in from an agent or, you know, like an actual casting director office versus a pay to play where it is stated like talent must have home studio, talent must have source connect, talent must have ability for a directed session. And I think that's, it's kind of a catch-22 higher barrier of entry now for people who are just starting because I used to tell people, oh, you know, take some classes, make a demo, and then think about a home studio. And now it's like, I think you kind of have to put home studio towards the top of the list because you're not going to be able to compete with these other people who have them and you're not going to be able to compete with an agent or you know on that level with agents and casting directors sending you auditions if you don't have it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of agents are requiring it now. You have to have one. And yeah, it's true like to be a voiceover actor now, yes, you have to have all the skills, but you have to be an audio engineer, you have to be a director, <laughs> you have to do a lot of other things too. Mm-hmm. So, it's yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, I would love to hear more about your time in the casting office. I feel like that is such a cool thing to have been on the other side of and a real inside track of what happens after we send off that audition, because I I do feel like that's a big mystery. I mean, even for someone like myself who's been in the business for a while, it's even if I know the process on the casting end, it still just seems like a mystery. Like, I record in this booth, I send it off, and then what happens? Does anyone really listen to it? If so, do you listen to three seconds? Do you listen to the whole thing? Do you automatically discard people for whatever reason? T- tell us the inside track. Oh, yeah. It was it was so interesting um, getting to learn about that side of the business. Um, first of all, like to, like I said, I said this before, to get the opportunity to even audition is is so lucky. You know, like there, it's just, it's such a competitive industry. And like to be able to, you're in, like the fact that you're invited to audition, you know, that you should be so proud (laughs) of yourself um, that you actually got to go into the studio and record an audition. 
so yeah, I mean, because the first thing is, is that they pick who is going to come in and audition, right? And they can't have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people come in. So it's like a select few that are, you know, invited to the audition. And then after, you know, and of course, there's, you know, so many talented voiceover artists in New York. So, you know, then you take that pool and then you listen to all of the auditions of the day. And then, you know, clients are probably not going to listen to, if you had 50 people come in, they're probably not going to want to listen to all 50. So then the casting directors have to go through it and pick the best 25, possibly. You know, it's different depending on every job. But that was interesting to see like, oh, okay, you know, my audition, it might not even get sent off, possibly. So, um, so yeah, it was it was interesting to see how like, okay, well, what does get sent off? Like what types of reads do get sent off? And I will say that the ones that do get, of course, it's different for every commercial depending on what it is. Um, but I think like, let's just say it's like a typical commercial. Uh, it's it's the reads that are the most conversational and real. And that's not that's no surprise. But what I always found interesting was that the people that would book would have a very conversational read usually. And then you would see the spot on TV or hear it on the radio and it would be announcery. And so I always say like, uh, now I do a lot of voiceover coaching and I always say that you have to know how to do the conversational read to book the job. But then when you book the job, you have to know how to do the announcery read <laughs> or the more announcery read, the announcery read that has purpose behind it. Right. But, um, yeah, so that that was interesting to see like what actually booked the job and then what the the finished product ended up being. And then it was just interesting to to see how a lot of times it's just, you know, you don't even know why they they picked that person necessarily. Like it can be such a random thing. I feel like they might not even know why. It's just a feeling like mm, that one. Yeah. It's just a feeling. And, you know, like everybody has their own opinion. Like sometimes we as the casting directors would be like, oh, my God, why did they not pick this person? Like we just we loved their read and they picked somebody who we were like very surprised by, you know. So it's just it's so random. But like, of course, you know, you need to have the skills to be invited to the audition. But then you just have to it's then it just ends up not being personal at all because it's it ends up being luck in the end, I feel. But that being said, you also have to have the skills to even have that opportunity, right? So what are your thoughts on the conversational spec? I mean, as a voice actor, as a coach, and as someone who sat behind the the desk, if you will, what uh, what does that mean to you? So the conversational read, like if we actually were to do a script in a very conversational way, like we're talking to a friend, to me, you know, a conversational tone is the way we talk in real life, which sometimes we talk really quickly. You know, sometimes we don't like emphasize a certain word. So to me, like, that's not really what you're hearing on commercials. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to know how to do the read in a very conversational way at first to get it to be truthful. Um, but then I think then you have to get it to a place where it has to pop, right? It has to stand out. So I don't think that it, when people say, when clients say like the conversational read, well, if it's actually conversational, it's not really going to pop and stand out. Mm. I think the most important thing is you you need purpose behind what you're saying. Because if it's announcery, 
like if we're saying, you know, introducing Walmart, you know, that's that's announcery because it has no purpose behind it. But if I say it like I'm super excited to introduce this, you know, brand or product, introducing Walmart, like that's different. That sounds announcery, but it's also there's purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. So to me, with the conversational read, you just have to make sure that there is purpose behind what you're saying and intention behind what you're saying. Announcery read to me is vague. It sounds like you're not you're not talking to one person. You don't know who you're talking to. And the reads that really stand out, um, you know, when you are listening to hundreds of auditions are the reads that sound like they're talking to one person. That's where I think the coaching comes in is because you have to find that balance between it being real and authentic, but also really popping. Yeah. And selling something. It's hard. It's hard to explain. You kind of have to do it. No, but I think you explained it really well, actually, that because I think that is the the vague mystery is is the balance of having it be truthful and real, but also translating it into a little bit more of a pop for sales mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or for conveying the message. If it's not a sales you know, commercial, if it's like a corporate narration project, they still want it to be conversational. Everybody wants it to be conversational because nobody wants to be, you know, talked at anymore. Right. Right. Um, but I love the way you put that, that there's there's a sense of truth and purpose to what you're saying and a sense of reality and a sense of like, I really want to share this with you, Marissa, my friend. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's like a little bit of knowledge that it's still, you know, serving a purpose, selling a product, conveying some piece of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you will get the reads that are completely conversational where you'll hear those commercials where you're like, oh, wow, that just sounds like my friend talking to me. You will hear those. But I think the majority of because I have a lot of my students will say to me, like, I keep hearing about this conversational read. But when I listen to commercials, doesn't sound conversational to me. And I'm like, OK, here's I what they I say that mean. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah. But then again, like, it's kind of what you need to know how to do to book the job. Because when they're listening to a bunch of auditions, they want to hear what you have to offer, like putting a little bit of your personality into it. Yeah, I I always say to Josh, my husband, when we're watching TV, I'm like, is that what they think is conversational? That doesn't sound conversational at all. And well, and I think it's also um, like the ad agencies are usually the ones listening to the auditions and like they're the ones that are probably a bit younger and they like they want to hear the real people and then when they actually present to the client the client's like no that doesn't sell it you know so then they want it a little more amped up so it makes sense okay so let's switch gears a little bit and tell us now chapter two of your story your life story and your voiceover story um tell us about london how how is it going in london what is your voiceover life there so, yeah, so in 2018, I uh, I have a British passport because uh, my dad is British. And so, it w- you know, it was just this gut feeling that I could because I because I grew up in New York City um, and I, I had lived there my entire life and I was really happy there. But it was just this moment in my life where I was like, I don't know, I've always wanted to live in London and I have this passport and I just want to try it out for a year and see what happens. And my plan was to do the same thing I was doing in New York, which was voiceovers and casting. Um, and so I came over here and I, I met my now fiance uh, week two of being here. So, 
it's not gonna change things change the plan um not right away it took some time to to you know to get engaged we didn't get engaged week two we, we met week two um but <laughs> but um yeah when i when i first arrived um you know it was crazy i was just like oh my god did i make a huge mistake i just like threw away like like a successful voiceover career and it was like really happy casting and now i'm starting from square one and why did i do this to myself <laughs> And, uh, but, but that first year, um, you know, when I first arrived, I was lucky enough, I signed with a voiceover agency right away. And then I was also doing a lot of casting. So I was trying to get to know like every casting director in London, basically, I was like freelancing with film and TV casting directors and theater casting directors and commercial casting directors. Um, Like I cast I was working on like Killing Eve and like HBO programs and BBC TV shows and like it was just kind of crazy. But yeah, I can't, I can't, I kind of came over to London with the goal of maybe opening up, maybe wanting to open up my own casting office one day. And then it was interesting because I, I was, I was doing voiceovers when you know auditions would come up um, through my agent here. But then um, it was funny at the end of 2019, I was like, you know what, I. I like casting, but a lot of it, at least here, felt like an office job most of the time. It didn't feel creative enough, and I missed doing voiceover. I missed, like, getting to, you know, just be creative every day. Um, So <laughs> end of 2019, I was like, all right, 2020, I'm – I'm back to voiceover full-time. Like, I want to just – I want to do it again. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was forced to <laughs> – I was forced to because then ca- casting was just non-existent when the pandemic started. Um, and I had been doing a lot of uh, on-camera commercial voiceover classes when I was casting in New York. Um, and then when I came over here, I started to actually teach some – before pandemic, I started to teach some voiceover workshops at my agency. And when the pandemic started and I was ba- you know, back to doing a lot of voiceovers, um, I was like – I want to start using this time to coach. And I think I can coach online. And that really took off because I think a lot of actors who, you know, they, they couldn't do film, TV, theater. They were all really interested in doing voiceover, but they didn't know exactly how to start. Um, they, I had a lot of people contacting me and saying, like, I want coaching. Um, and I just, I love coaching. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, I love teaching. Both my parents are teachers. So I think there's just, we just have a teaching gene in us. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I loved it. And I've been doing a lot of that um, this this past year and uh, yeah, throughout this whole time while doing voiceovers. And so it's interesting because yeah, this year saying to myself like, okay, I want to go back to voiceover full time. It's It's been interesting because it's a very different market here. Um, you know, in New York, I was really relying on my agent to get me all the auditions and booking work through my agent. And here, it's just different. Like I being an American in the UK, there's not as many commercials, you know, so it's a lot of corporate work and explainers. And actually, there's a lot of animation work here, too, which I actually I didn't get to do much of in New York. Um, so so that's been cool. Um, but it's just a different market. And I've also had to, uh, I've had to find my own clients a lot. So I've been doing like a lot of direct marketing and it's also a very different market because there's no audition culture here. Like 
most of the time, I would say 95% of the work I book here is booked off my demo, which is crazy to me. Because I was used, you know, in New York, we're just like used to auditioning all day. Um, so that's been kind of crazy. Let's bring that here. I mean, yeah, but then again, it's like, well, how many jobs could I book if I was able to audition? You know, so it's like. Well, that's true. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of, I, I have mixed feelings about it. Because sometimes, yeah, it's great when you do get that call and you're like, oh, cool. But I've booked a job. I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> but, yeah, there are times when I'm like, I wonder how many jobs I could book if I auditioned, you know? Right. Because then you're really relying on your demo and and that feels... Yeah, you're right. That does feel a little like, ee. Yeah. And then, like, speaking of demos, um, when I arrived here um, and met with my agent, he said, you know, your your voiceover demo is real is way too American. Like, it's way too bubbly and enthusiastic. And so I want you to record a new demo. And the demo that I ended up recording is a lot more... I don't want to say announcery, but it's a lot more announcery than would be the trend in the U.S. You know, it's like it's a lot more um, professional, like less smiley, more informational um, as opposed to like, you know, the that American like girl next door demo that's like, yeah, introducing da 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 and like <laughs> really smiley and excited. Oh, interesting. Oh, I want to listen. Yeah, so just like finding my sound here and um, and then also uh, the transatlantic accent is also something that a lot of clients over here want as opposed to the American accent. What is a transatlantic accent? Oh, God, it's so weird. I just had to record a <laughs> transatlantic demo. Um, it's sort of a mixture of American and an English accent. So it's almost like a bad British accent, but it's like over enunciated and some words are really spread and some like it's just it's strange. Interesting. But I guess to give a little bit of both, like this person is worldly, not specifically of any one accent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of clients, you know, like globalization is happening and a lot of international clients they want voiceovers that can speak to an international market and so instead of that american accent they want something that's sort of an in-between that can speak to everyone so that's been interesting just kind of like finding my sound here i still get auditions from america like i still have u.s agents but that's also been interesting because you know everybody says like voiceover is a global business and that's absolutely true but I will say that um, I get less auditions from my agents in the U.S. now that I've moved over to the U.K. because of the time difference. Because, you know, as we know, like voiceover is super last minute and you have to be kind of on call. And I think they're concerned that, like, I might be sleeping if a client wants to record. <laughs> so, so you know, it's just it's been an adjustment. It's been an adjustment to a new market, but I'm, I'm making it work. And um, I definitely had to I definitely can't rely on my agent here. Uh, I, I mean, my agent is wonderful, but like I, I also if I want to work full time as a voiceover actor, I have to be finding my own clients. Um, and I think that's I think that's something that actually everybody has to do now if they want to be a full-time voiceover actor. I don't know. I think there are some voiceover actors who are lucky enough to just rely on their agents, but I think they've been doing it a really long time. Um, but I think if you're just getting into it, I think it's it's really hard to just rely on your agent. I think you have to do do all of it. You know, you have to do the, you know, or you have to find what works for you. 
But you have to kind of play around and see what works for you. Yeah, I think it's important to diversify your sources. I think I've, I've said that before here, too, that it's it's one thing to just say, if, if that's your style and you're like, I'm somebody who I don't like Google, I don't like to research things, it overwhelms me, I'm just going to wait and see what happens with my agent, that's great. That is absolutely a choice. But I think if you want to diversify and, and really expand your reach and see kind of how broad you can go, then the direct marketing has to kind of be a part of it. And it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to spend hours every week doing it. You can, absolutely. But maybe you just do direct marketing for, you know, if you live in New York City, you could just literally Google New York City production companies and you'll have many pages to go through to try to find those companies. But yeah, I think direct marketing is is, is something that comes up often in the voiceover industry and I'm sure other freelance industries as well. But but it's important. It's important to to try to put yourself out there, I think. Yeah. And, you know, you, you don't have to do all of it. Like for me, I have done the voice uh, casting sites. But uh, for me, I realized like it just like it overwhelms me and it's I'm not disciplined <laughs> enough to do it like that. And that's just a personal thing for me. But I know and I, I know you're very successful at doing it. And I know so many voiceover actors who are making a living off of doing work on casting sites. So, you know, that's just for me. But for direct for me, like agents and direct marketing is kind of how I go about um, getting my voiceover work. So it's different depending on what you like. And you have to you have to enjoy it, too. Yeah. And I have another friend who's super successful and has um, enough work coming in from her agents and from, you know, the casting pay to play websites that she does no direct marketing. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your your coaching biz as well? If people want to get in touch about that. Sure. So, yeah. So I do um, one-on-one coaching uh, online right now, um, and I focus on commercial voiceover because I feel like that's my area of expertise. Um, That's the genre of work I've done the most work in. And also because I worked as a casting professional in that area, I feel like that's my area of expertise. And so I come at commercial coaching from both sides of the business, from being behind the mic as well as behind the table, um, you know, working with clients and having an understanding of what they're looking for when they're booking talent. So, um, yeah, I offer lots of different packages. Um, and, yeah, you can you can find me online. That's awesome. I love that you're doing that. I feel like you, you're a very supportive positive person. And so I, I feel like coaching with you would be would be fun and and uh, also very beneficial. I love it. It's really fun. It's really fun to see um, people just get more confident in their voice and and then they just end up being more confident as people. So it's really cool. Nice. So looking back, is there anything in your career that you would have done differently kind of along the way or or, you know, I don't want to say mistakes, but is there anything that you feel like Ooh, I wish I would have done that differently or I learned, you know, a better way now. Um, I wish I would have gotten on the direct marketing train earlier on <laughs> in my voiceover career. Um, I don't feel like I I started doing that until much later on. Um, and I yeah, so I feel like I I wish I would have done that. I also wish I would have been better about keeping in touch with clients uh earlier on in my career as well. 
I just had no idea. I just didn't know. I didn't know because I felt like, oh, my agent got me this. So I don't feel like I need, you know, I feel like it's their job to keep in touch with them. But like, no, it's actually, you, you have to do it, you know? So, so I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have kept in touch with a lot of those clients and been better about, um, yeah, staying on their radar. Yeah. Just getting on the direct marketing train earlier and keeping in touch with clients are the two big things. Yeah, which is funny because those are two things that we don't think of because we are we think of ourselves, maybe not everybody, but I think most people get into voice acting from some form of an acting or performance background. And so you think of yourself as an actor. And I think those are two elements of running a small business, finding new clients and then keeping in touch with your clients. And and uh, yeah, that's that's stuff. I think that's stuff that a lot of us need to work on. Even still, like there's still days where I'm like, oh, when was the last time I sent out a, you know, a, a direct marketing email? Hmm. OK, it's been two weeks. That keeps getting pushed back. I better prioritize that this week. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, just I think like the overall thing is, yeah, thinking of myself as a business earlier on in my career. That's that's the big thing. Well, thank you, Marissa. I feel like we got a lot of interesting info about stuff from both sides of the business, which was super helpful. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. Marissa's energy is truly infectious. I love how passionate she's become about coaching other voice actors and how she thinks about the conversational read. Also, I think it's important to note that even if you find success right away, your career might take some twists and turns and that's okay. So often we think our careers need to be some straight line going from one thing to another, but I'd say most people's paths are more like Marissa's. If you'd like to learn more about Marissa or coach with her, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes. And to stay updated about future episodes, please follow me on Instagram at Stephanie Pam Roberts VO. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you have a minute to leave me a rating or review, that would be awesome. It really does help more people find the show. Thank you so much for listening. And here's a little preview of next week's episode. So when we have the opportunity to really lock in emotionally on what a script is to asking us to deliver, there's not a better feeling than getting that exactly right. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.